joined by self-confidence and mindset coach Megan Nicola. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. The sun is shining, so I'm feeling <laughs> like weather report, it's sunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. It's always the first that I moved to London like four years ago from Cape Town. And it I didn't realise how much British people talk about the weather and now I it's literally the first thing I mention have you seen the weather it's like an instant conversation starter that's mental so Cape Town yeah yeah, yeah I moved here January 2016 I can kind of hear it in your voice now that you've said it yeah but... I normally have to give the hint before someone can say can hear it so I guess that's a really good place to start then. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got to kind of where you are. Yeah, I always feel like I always have to put disclaimer. It's such a long story, but I will try and paraphrase. So I was born originally in Zimbabwe and I moved from there to the UK when I was five. So we were here for a few years moved back to Malawi and then um, I moved to Cape Town out of high school so I wanted to get into magazines I wanted to be a um, fashion stylist that was my dream that's what I thought I was put on this earth to do and I got into the magazine industry did an internship and it turned into full-time and but I was in a beauty department so I realized that after I'd been there a few years, as much as I loved writing, like I've still definitely carried that across into my work now, it just, like my heart wasn't in it. And I couldn't work out why I had this incredible job, you know, from the outside. And I was so unhappy um, to the point where I was having, I was taking daily medication. It's the only time, fortunately, I've ever had to take medication for something. And I was having such severe migraines. I was having them for three days at a time. And I'd at least have them once a week, if not twice. So it was constant. So um, I was also flying back and forth because my parents still lived in Malawi. And my mum had stage four cancer. So she had been diagnosed when I was about, we just moved back to Africa. So I was 13. And um, so for the whole of my high school, she, for about four years, she was in remission. And then it came back and it came back twice. And she'd gone down the whole route of chemotherapy and radiotherapy. And a lot of my gifts that I have now, I'm very a very intuitive soul. I'm very much more along the holistic side, natural, all that kind of stuff. And my mum was the same. And you could just tell it was fighting against her. It wasn't working. So she sadly passed away on my t- on the morning of my 21st birthday. Um, and I wasn't at home. I hadn't seen her for three months. So I just thought, you know what? This has been such a difficult chapter. And I really need a fresh start. I need a new chapter. I need to just do something completely different and start 
my career path. So I moved to London two months later. And through this time, I qualified as a personal stylist. I was also mixing it with self-confidence coaching. Um, I think everything that my journey had led me to learn was going through the hardships of self-doubt, of losing people very close to you, um, seeing the effects of the mindset. You know, even when my mum was going through her cancer treatment, it was very much the minute her mind gave up, her body did too. And it was, she literally, it was within a couple of months. And from then I just realized how important the way we view our world, view ourselves, my mum had very low self-confidence um, and I definitely picked that up from her. And so it was this whole journey of kind of loving the personal styling aspect, but naturally attracting lots of women who had severe self-confidence issues, really lacked self-belief, constantly doubting themselves, constantly critiquing themselves. And that shows up in your, in your wardrobes. So the self-confidence side naturally overtook. So I started an online business um, whilst I was still working full time. And I think I've now been full time with my business for just over a year. Wow. I mean, there's so much there. So how old are you now then? So I have just turned 20. I always have to think about this, 25. 25 so I mean in the last four years your life has completely completely changed definitely it did like a full 180 things I thought probably wouldn't have happened happened um and I was really kind of it was such an incredible self-development you know the last decade for me I've learned and gone through so much in such a short amount of time um and it's amazing when you now look back and realize how much of what you've been through has all been to prepare you for what it is that you were put on this earth to do. And I truly believe that I'm here to, through healing myself, now allow other people to do the same and almost cause this knock-on effect of healing. So what, what do you do in your everyday then? So I think a lot of the time we hear about coaches and things like that. And, and it's mm. kind of a lot of people look at, look into it and go, but like, what, what does that person do for me? Like, how, how can they help me? What kind of people do you get coming to you and, and what kind of work do you do with them? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause there are that I think the coaching industry is an industry that has taken off tenfold over the last couple of years. And there's a lot of, it, yeah, it's it just quite an overwhelming industry, um, all backed with good intentions most of the time. But yeah, so for me, I tend to work with women who are much more, I'd almost call them sensitive souls. So they're very much empathic, tend to, you know, suffer with caring too much about what other people think, um, being the overgivers self-sabotaging great perfectionists they're always perfectionists they have these natural talents to be able to you know make other other people feel better good communicators but just lack the self-confidence to be able to actually fully utilize their gifts you kind of assume you know because that was exactly like me you just assume everyone's like that and everyone has that ability to you tend to walk through life kind of 
constantly second guessing yourself and why you're here and what it is that you're meant to do and are you good enough? That is the main question. Every woman that I work with, her main struggle is, am I good enough? So I work with women um, over pretty much a three month period. And what we do is we meet for weekly online course. All my things are online. And um, each session is about identifying the biggest emotional triggers and stuff that we carry with us unnecessarily into our present journey. And it just ends up being like this thing that we cart around. And it almost is like a chain and a ball and chain. So through each session, we naturally now strip away and unlearn the negative belief system is attached to these wounds that we now operate with in day-to-day life. So you find yourself, you know, sabotaging yourself less. You are more in tune with what feels good and how to get there and how to back yourself towards what it is you want to achieve instead of just constantly second guessing and doubting your ability. And what kind of like goals do these women have? Because I think quite a lot of the time people will be like, well, I'd love to be more confident, but, or, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to go and do this, or I'd love to have the, like the opportunity to do this. Like what are their goals associated with what they're looking for? Or is it just kind of a general sense of self? I think you tend to attract, I tend to work with a lot of women who, are now looking to start their own business or have a business. So they're either, you know, life coaches or just women who naturally are intrigued by, you know, being self-employed. So there tends to be a goal around, okay, I understand that I have these gifts and I'm able to, you know, connect well with people and help them but there's a part of me that doesn't fully believe that I can, that I'm capable of helping someone and to then turn it into a career. Like that is just completely overwhelming. So the goal normally is to kind of get to a place where we heal ourselves and through that journey and through that process, you now learn how to be a better healer and supporter for someone else, whether that be through your career or business or family life. It's not always attached to career. When you were talking about um, kind of the things that get in the way and I'm not good enough comes up. And I think that is something that will resonate with so many people because I think as a society, men and women, we're constantly told one way or another through messaging, through, you know, everything really, I'm not good enough or you're good enough when you do this or if you do that. And it's such a, big thing to be ingrained with how do you go about starting to combat that because it just seems like if you're surrounded by a world that tells you you're not good enough how do you get that confidence to stand up and go no I am yeah I mean it's not easy anything that's so ingrained within our subconscious is you know it's it's powerful by nature and it's so funny because I speak about this a lot especially you know perfectionism and this whole idea that we somehow are validated and through the work that we do or how good we are at being able to do xyz or how fast we're able to learn something and apply it or you know society's really conditioned us to see all these external factors as the source of our power so 
what I kind of do with the women that I work with is we reverse that process. And when you understand that actually your power comes and starts from you, external factors no longer have the same benefit. You stop placing so much of your attention on things outside of yourself. You have the tools, you have the resources within you to identify, okay, I've done a really good job today. I've got the mindset tools to it. If I'm feeling a bit shit today, I know how to kind of reframe take a step back and realize actually okay just got a little bit caught up in an old belief system I'm back now and that's one of the things about self-development and mindset work and self-confidence it's not something that you do once and you know I can give you a starter kit and you just complete this and you'll be set for life it is this constant evolving process because you're constantly learning new things and being put in new environments and new challenges and so it's this way of being able to almost arm yourself with really powerful resources that constantly remind you that it is your self-confidence, your ability is naturally given and it's, it's always going to be something you control. You've just got to place a focus more on you and less on stuff outside of yourself. One thing I really liked that you kind of spoke about when we first started talking was kind of the pressure that we feel to get this whole self-development thing right because it yeah. as you said like coaching <laughs> coaching now is quite um you know there's lots of coaches out there who are talking about this this kind of work and a lot of people not coaches as well just general people talking about you know being like I, I get up and I practice gratitude and I meditate <laughs> and I will read and then I exercise and then I do this and then I'm ready to start my day and I think there's almost this like this unhealthy side of self-development work which is this like perfectionist ideal and I and I think perhaps for some people that aren't used to working on themselves or you know maybe new to it it can seem really like scary because they think well I haven't done my meditation today so I've failed so I've got it all wrong yeah but you see things in a bit of a different way don't you in terms of perfection yeah so perfectionism I always kind of say it's it's a societal conditioning wrapped up in this core feeling of not feeling good enough. So what we do with perfectionism is we say, well, I'm going to get something so right that you can't critique me. So it's this defense mechanism born out of being in a society that tells you, you know, hustle, hard work, grind, um, and excessively high standards are the norm. Stress is the new norm. And that's just not how we are wired to be. So when you now approach self-development work, what often happens is because so much of our day-to-day -day environment and energy is about fixing. What can we fix? What have we not done right? What do we need to do better? When you enter self-development work, you take across the same energy. So you come from this place of, I need to get it right and I need to be fixed. And the moment you, you any time that you enter any type of development development work from that energy you're always going to come up with resistance because you're going to view it as something that I fail or I tick off and that's what then causes this really unhealthy and toxic way of speaking about really powerful habits you know gratitude journals and um, 
meditating and working out and moving your body, getting out in fresh air are all incredibly beneficial things for you to do, but they are not things that you then take to mark yourself as valuable or not, or have you done a good job or not, or are you getting self-development work perfect? And that's the trap that most people fall into. And it's something that I'm really passionate about kind of debunking some of these myths that even if it's not consciously said, we pick it up subconsciously because we've not done this type of work before. So for the perfectionists that want to become more confident, want to become happier, but they can't help but creating these lists, how do they start to unpick that? How do they, how, how do they you know, <laughs> like stop themselves from going hundred miles an hour and then kind of running out of steam halfway through. I think it's really important to always understand where you're coming from. So it's like you can apply it to wanting to work out. Am I doing it because I feel I have to, and I'm, I won't love myself because I've not gone or am I doing it because I know how good I feel afterwards. If you always check in with your intentions behind everything that you do, things shift you start to now really tune into, okay, what's good for me? What's not good for me? What, what do I feel good doing? What do I not feel good doing? And I always believe that is such a powerful way of now starting to look at the things that you do so that you can catch yourself when you feel you've fallen into that little trap of perfectionism. So when it comes to, you know, maybe you're, um, you like to, you know, in one sitting, get your whole entire or like a massive task done in an hour. What you should, what is a good way of kind of combating that is chunk things down, do little by little. Um, at the end of your days, make sure that actually you're not comparing or taking notes on what you've ticked off. You're comparing notes on, you know, what have I done really well today? What am I really proud of myself for doing? Even if you don't physically write it out all it is is about changing your focus from where are the things that I'm lacking to where are the things that I'm, you know, really excelling. What are the things that I'm really proud of myself for doing? And when you shift your energy, everything changes because you now, you know, you attract what you are. So on a very like metaphysical level, if we get into quantum physics, you can only attract onto you that which you are. So when you shift your focus to this powerful energy of I am enough, everything that I do is more than enough. I don't have to get things done today. It's not, I'm not in a rush. You know, I've got time. You start to now, one thought attracts another thought that's similar, that attracts another thought. And before you know it, your whole body is, and your whole self-confidence is rising because your focus is on how much you are instead of how much you lack. I really like all of those like thoughts because I think, I agree with so many of them. Um, one thing that I kind of thought about when you were talking earlier about fixing, and I just thought how many times has, just to put it into like gender roles for a minute, but like how many times have women gone into a relationship and thought, I'm going to fix this guy? Yeah. And we're going to like, yes, he may be, he may be flawed. They're like, we, I was having this conversation on a, on a podcast with uh, Liz and we were talking about um, all the red flags and we just kind of collect them like bunches of flowers, <laughs> like, oh, it's fine. I, I'll fix them. I'll fix them. And I think that what you said about that 
kind of that fixing aspect. We really do have that aspect mm-hmm. in our personalities. We want to fix relationships. We want to, whether it be with, you know, a partner or a friend or, you know, our business relationships. Um, yeah. It makes me giggle a little bit just because I think that's just women, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's particularly women because we tend to be natural born nurturers and givers. Fixing is born out of this almost, um, how should I put this? Avoiding the void that you feel within yourself by overgiving to someone else and seeking validation from that. So what we tend to do, you know, and God, do I know this? I was one codependent relationship after another. I didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like until three years ago. And what we do in that environment is that we tend to see that, you know, okay, well, I can be the one that's going to fix this person. I'm going to be the the one who has proved that they're so worthy because I can't see my worth. I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get the worst person who has the most shit wrong with them. And I'm going to make them realize that I'm worthy and then I'll feel worthy. So it's this like sick, twisted game we play with ourselves unknowingly. And all it is, is it's actually your inner being screaming for you to just recognize how worthy you are. You do not have to meet someone 80% of the way. Boundaries, respect, self-love, all those kind of things are so, so crucial. Did you find the that when with the this relationship you just you spoke about you know three years ago or three the last three years um what changed was that was it was it a change within yourself first that 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 brings about that that relationship or is it the person I have the most like crazy manifestation story ever about this this is it's whenever I feel like I'm doubting that, you know, the universe has got my back and quantum physics and law of attraction. I always remind myself of this story. So we're still together. And I had just, I was on Bumble and I'd had the last kind of episode of a really shitty, non-available, emotionally available guy. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with boys. I'm literally putting it all to bed. I just cannot be bothered anymore. And I remember sitting down in my garden and writing a letter to myself because I just realized like I had this light bulb moment of, oh my God, I'm doing it again. This is my way of saying that until I do this self-development work so well in terms of relationships and what I felt like I was lacking, I'm pretty much saying that until I've done that perfectly, I won't attract that guy. So what I'm doing is I'm saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not enough. And that's why I'm attracting that back to me. People are your mirrors. You always attract back to you someone who's going to project back to you and things that you need to work on and vice versa. And it was literally this, yeah, whenever someone says light bulb moment, I think about that. It is literally something instantly changed in me and I just realized like oh my god I've not been seeing it like this I've been seeing it you know I just need to get this right and I need to get you know have better boundaries and I need to get this perfect and oh I need to work on my jealousy and this that and the other and then I'll be lovable and the minute I realized like oh shit this is this is self-sabotage in another another form and I had this huge awakening I just it was 
amazing. And I was like, right, I'm free. I'm done. doesn't even matter. I don't care anymore. Three hours later, I met my now boyfriend on Bumper. He sent me a little message and I'd missed him. It was like that 24 hour extend. And yeah, we've been together ever since. So that's how quickly things can change when you realize how much resistance you've put in to your life by believing that you have to be perfect before something happens. It definitely does. I, I met my husband on um, Tinder. And, oh, it did was, you? and it was just as I was about to delete the app. And it was just yeah. about as he was about to delete <laughs> the app. So, you know, it's possible. What yeah. what's dating like in London? I must have must have met, like mm-hmm. you must get a plethora of crazy. Oh my god! I've had the craziest dates ever because Cape Town, no one used Tinder, no one used dating. I think because it was just everyone knew everyone and it was just too small, so it was very much a like shameful app to have. And then when I moved to London, I was just like I didn't know anyone. I kind of moved here by myself, so. I thought, oh, I'll just get, you know, meet some new people, whatever. But, oh my God, some of the dates were just, I mean, I I had one date where this guy almost bought, I can't even remember what it was, but um, he almost bought drugs from this drug dealer and literally didn't just because I was there. And I was like, I literally called my, um, one of my guy friends. I was like, you have to come save me right now. I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, and uh, what were you doing on the night of uh, this? Well, I started on Bumble, all right? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a planned thing. Didn't know what was going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are some stories. But I think, yeah, some of my friends have even worse stories. Yeah. There is, I think, there's always a good uh, terrible dating app story. Mm, yeah, Definitely. How did... Um, how did you find moving to London? Because how old were you when you moved? 21. So I was 21. Yeah. Like that's um, young. How did you find it all? Yeah. I, I think I'd gone into survival mode. So I felt like I grieved in two months, <laughs> as you do. And um, I was just very much head down. I have to make this work. And I had such a... I think I almost felt like this was my last ditch attempt at finding and building a career and life that I loved and that fully served me in in all capacities. And I really found like my mum's passing was this blessing and it was this new kind of like, you know, this is your turn now. This is your turn to kind of fully embrace life, live it whilst you're young and really make your world your own. And so I think back with that mindset, I was head down and I just did it. But the repercussions of not listening to my emotions and my needs and all those kind of things that you end up putting on the back burner when you are in survival mode caught up with me quite quickly afterwards, I'd say about maybe a year after I'd moved. And I'm still trying to find my feet. And London, as busy and as many people as there are, I genuinely feel like it can be one of the loneliest places because everyone kind of just has their own lives. You kind of walk past it. No one really looks at each other. You know, no one really says hello when you're walking the streets. So it felt quite isolating. Um, So yeah, it was a challenge, but you know what? London is an incredible place to kind of 
be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do. It's an incredibly accepting, um, diverse, uh, what would you call it, city. And I really love that. And I, there's this real buzzy energy about London. I couldn't live here forever, um, but it's definitely served me well for the last four years, I'd say. So you kind of mentioned that like, it, it all caught up with you. Was there ever a moment where you just thought, I need to go back to Cape Town? Like, I need to leave. I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I ever felt that I needed to go back. I think once you know that something's done for you and it's a, a chapter closed, there kind of is that, there's not really that draw anymore. Um, a lot of my friends had started to move and finished uni. But there were definitely times when I just felt like, yeah, throwing in the towel, giving up. Um, and I don't really know what kept me going. I think I just always thought about not wanting to disappoint my mum. And as it really should have been, you know, not wanting to disappoint myself. But sometimes we have these, these subtle ways of still supporting ourselves and making sure we live our life to the fullest, whether it's selfless or not. Um, and I think that probably kept me going and just knowing that if I had been through all of this at such a young age, I just knew that there was a reason I'm such a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And there was just part of me that just knew I have, I've been through things for a reason that I need to share with others. And if I don't, someone could miss a message that, you know, could potentially change their entire life. And that kind of really did keep me going because even building a business is tough. It is really, really tough for the last four years, three and a half years, um, on and off trying to build a business, you know, trying to build a legacy and all those kind of things that come with doing something completely by yourself is, um, yeah, incredibly difficult. Yeah, totally. We've had we've had a lot of kind of entrepreneurs and self-employed people, and I think that, uh, like I myself, I'm self-employed, and mm. there are days where you're just like, I'm going to go and work at a restaurant. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go, and I can yeah. leave my work at work, and it won't won't matter. <laughs> but like, I think inside us, we know that there's this like this need that needs to be yeah. filled, um, and it's it's frustrating sometimes because you're like, why can't I just be happy with like, you know, working behind McDonald's or like at Costa. (laughs) I'd save a bomb if I worked at Costa. I swear that's where most of my money goes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I always say you like swap the Sunday blues for midweek breakdowns because you do, you're like, Oh, I'm so excited to be employed, self-employed because I won't have these Sunday blues. It's just going to be amazing. It's going to be rainbows and I'm going to be happy all the time. And then it's like, it's Wednesday. I'm still in my pajamas. I'm crying on my third chocolate bar. You know, haven't opened the curtains. I just want to give up. And yeah, everything has pros and cons. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So I know you said earlier that there isn't like a toolkit for like self confidence. Um, but what do you think if somebody is listening and they are having a really tough time? And they think, I want like I, I something needs to change, but I don't know 
what to do. I don't know how to get myself out of this situation, whether it be emotional, you know, or if it's like a physical situation with work, like what would you say is the first thing that somebody would need to do in order to change their reality? So the first thing is, is you can't heal something without knowing what it is that you're healing. So the first step is always to try and identify what it is that you're going through. So that's, you know, I'm a huge believer in, I don't daily journal. I've never been one that's been able to stick for it with it for long, but journaling is such a fantastic way of just getting out everything that's going on in your mind, which we often, um, Feelings of overwhelm often accompany low self-esteem, uh, unhappiness, unfulfillment, because we're just constantly caught up in our own emotions and thoughts. So first things first is just write down everything that you're feeling. You know, um, what are your main thoughts that you think to yourself every single day? What are the main emotions that you feel every single day? What it is, what is it that you feel you're struggling with the most at the moment? Once you're able to identify, because everything, I always say, you know, the amount of clients I've worked with, it all comes back down to like a few different underlying fears that have just manifested in different ways. So work out what the core fear is. What is it? Is it a fear of not feeling like you're enough? Is it a fear of never being loved? Is it a fear of, what's the other main one? Of failure or success those are quite common ones find out what it is what is this the driving fear within you that is pretty much catapulting your life in this direction then from there you're now able to kind of okay i've addressed what these things are i might not have the tools for it but now at least i know which direction i need to go and seek support or help in the next thing i would do is to start a really powerful reframe that even I still use, um, you know, strongly believe you practice what you preach and it's an ongoing process. So every day, and I found this particularly helpful when I was having a tough time is what is this, what is the mini miracle that I had today? What is one small miracle I had today? And that could be, you know, anything from a really lovely chat with a stranger. I got to work on time. I, showed up for a gym class that was brand new and you know used to intimidate me or something like that find one thing and multiple if there are um because what this is going to do is it's going to shift your your focus again focus and energy out of a problem and a struggle and onto amazing things that you're grateful for and gratitude is so powerful and they tell you to do lots of gratitude work because it shifts your energy if you're feeling, you know, that the universe responds to where you put the most focus and what energy you're putting out. So if you were now focusing more on all the good things that are happening, that's why they say like power three, when one thing goes wrong, then loads of things goes wrong because that's where your energy is. So when you're in a state of struggle, what you want to do is you want to shift your focus. What are the things that I'm grateful for? What are the many successes I had today? What are the things that I'm incredibly grateful for about me? Um, and you start to now train your mind to look out for these things subconsciously and you'll start to feel like more and more things are happening for you that are fueling your confidence, fueling your trust in life. I think sometimes we can feel like when we're struggling with self-confidence, especially we feel like a victim of our circumstances. And when we get like that, it makes us feel like we don't have control. 
and we always have control. So it's all about kind of understanding, forgiving yourself for where you are, completely accepting that there's nothing wrong. You've not done anything wrong. Everything happens for a reason, but this is now where I want to put my energy. I want to feel better. I want to feel more confident. I want to feel more lovable. I want to, you know, put myself first for once. And that starts your journey of, of um, healing. So with confidence, I think there's a lot that is going, I've seen it quite a lot on social media people are starting to talk about kind of imposter syndrome Mm. and is that linked up in self-confidence or is it massively imposter syndrome and perfectionism and all those kind of things they're self-sabotage imposter syndrome for anyone that's listening that doesn't hasn't heard of it or I mean as you said it is everywhere at the moment it's a bit of a buzzword but I think that's because of the the age in which we live in and the world that we live in now. Imposter syndrome is when you are pretty much unable to recognize your successes and you put it down to luck, timing, knowing the right people. So what happens is you end up, nothing ever feels good enough. So you, you know, you hit a goal and then it's like, well, I don't feel fulfilled. So I need the next goal. I'm going to work the next goal. And you get into the circle of burnout and, procrastination and perfectionism and self-sabotage and it's just this whole vicious cycle imposter syndrome is really about this lack of it is linked to feeling not good enough again it's really kind of I place all my validation all of my worth all of my value in what other people think and what other people say And I'm unable to kind of see that for myself. So it can be incredibly damaging because you can have, you can be an incredibly successful entrepreneur, business person, um, have everything that you've ever wanted in life, but there's this impending feeling of someone's going to catch me out. Someone's going to know that I'm not meant to be here. It's this real feeling of like, I don't deserve happiness, abundance, success, um, love, riches all of those kind of things so it's it's a cry for self-value and self-worth I think quite a lot of us probably experience that feeling of I'm waiting for somebody to call me out and go you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly and it happens and it's it's something that I don't think anyone's immune to and I think the more it's almost a side effect of being a sometimes it can be a side effect of being you know a hustler someone who who loves to do good wants to achieve you know natural born high achievers and people that always put themselves on these massive pedestals suffer with it the most because all of they've made this link between value and um value and output as, as the connection. So the more output I, I have and the better I do, I've learned early on in my years that the better I do something, the more praise I get, the more love I receive, the more recognition I receive. So again, it's like this constant, someone trying to just fill this massive void from, from external sources. And that's just, you will never fill it. There's not enough accolades and appraisals in the world to make you feel that sense of I've done a really good job 
outside of you. So would you say the kind of antidote for that is to go back to that, like you were saying, your mini miracles, like, you know, this is like, this is what I've done. I have done this today. This is good today. And, and does that gradually, you know, negate that feeling or? It's a gradual thing, as you said, because it's unlearning and rewiring a new belief system. So you've made neural networks in your brain that have now associated a particular action with a particular result. So whenever you're trying to change the output, you have to change the input as, you know, basics. So when it comes to imposter syndrome and now finally getting to a point where you're able to recognize your successes, something has to shift within you. So again, you change your focus, you change it from how, you know, um, it's great, but it's, it could have been better. Um, someone's probably going to think, well, I could have done that. And you want to now kind of soothe yourself. Everything's about self-soothing. So what is the best feeling thought I have access to right now? And it's got to be a, the best feeling thought that you believe. So you can't immediately jump to, oh, I'm amazing. I've done a great job because you won't believe it and it doesn't work. It will be something like, I feel like I could have done a little bit better but I'm proud that I've put something out or um, that was a really tight deadline, but I'm really glad that I stuck to it and didn't, you know, go out the night before something like that. You've just got to find something that just makes you realize that, you know what, it's not all, it's not all bad. I have done an incredibly good job and I am incredibly deserving of everywhere that I am on my Instagram. Actually, I did a whole little list infograph of, um, what your imposter syndrome says and what you can say instead. So I've got some mindset reframes for that kind of example, um, which you can find on my Instagram at Nicola underscore. But that's a great, you just want to find ways of reframing those, that inner critic that comes up. I think that's awesome. Um, you kind of took the next thing out of my mouth because I was going to be like, where can people find you if they want to know more or if they want to work with you? <laughs> I wasn't a bit, I was like, oh, can I drop my Instagram? I'm just going to have a really useful infograph, um, infographic. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Megan Nicola, double N, um, underscore, or www.meganicola.co.uk. But yeah, imposter syndrome is really one of those things. And anything, self-doubt is just about recognizing for so many years you put the focus on where everywhere that you lack and it's now time to put the focus on everywhere that you achieve, that you excel and start to now heal that other side of you and soothe yourself. Do whatever you need to do to help yourself feel that much more comfortable and ready to take the next step. You can't berate yourself there. You can't push yourself there. You can't critique your way there. It has to be a very gentle process. Yeah, like nothing good ever comes from a place of negativity, does it? Exactly exactly <laughs> it's been really amazing to chat to you and I think that your take on kind of self-confidence and and all of this everything we've talked about has been really refreshing and I know that oh, there's going to be some people that listen and just think oh, that was the talk I needed oh. and actually this was kind of the talk I needed today because I went Good. to the job that I, I'm contracted to and I was really grumpy and I've spoken to you <laughs> and now I just feel like happier and lighter. Oh, so. 
Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, there is so much. I think there's a lot of stuff that has good intentions for self-development and raising your self-confidence, but you've just got to remember that everywhere, everyone starts somewhere and the more gentle you can be with yourself, the more progress and transformation you'll see because you're coming from this very understanding and accepting place instead of this fixing, I've got to push myself there, I've got to stress about it. And you will get there. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to make sure that we're going to put all the details for your Instagram and everything on our show notes. So if you've been listening and you want to um, work with Megan, or you want to find out more, all of the info would be in the show notes. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to Tribe Talk uh, so you can get all the latest episodes when they come out. And um, thank you again so much. It's been so great to chat to you. Oh, no. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye.